Hi there, and welcome to this week's episode from the journalism.co.uk podcast, where we've been speaking with Eva Constanteras, a data journalism advisor at Internews, specialised in growing data journalism in developing countries. Data has been at the core of some of the biggest stories broken in the past few years, including Panama Papers, the biggest leak in the history of journalism so far. The amount of information available to journalists online nowadays enables them to uncover stories in the public interest that would otherwise remain buried. Internews is an international non-profit organisation that works in some of the most vulnerable and excluded communities to ensure access to trusted, quality information. Data and investigative journalist Eva Constantaris has helped kickstart data journalism across Latin America, Asia and East Africa and has even developed training curricula for investigative and data journalism in high-risk environments with limited data access. She goes from developing country to developing country, starting data journalism teams within newsrooms, CSOs or with groups of professors or students. At the core of my methodology is that it is data journalism as a civic duty that all data journalism that you produce does have to have a public interest message or purpose. We don't just map things for the fun of mapping them. We don't really do like vanity data journalism. Like, yeah, what I see a lot in the Western world is a lot of polling data, a lot of public survey data, which just is sort of holding up a mirror back up to to citizens. So something like what percentage of citizens in the UK are now worried about their economic future post-Brexit. You see that story a lot when, when I would say, okay, well, why don't you tell citizens if you're concerned, what should you be doing? What sectors of the economy are growing? What should you, what should you be studying or what kind of job should you be looking for to ensure the economic security for your family? So really, how do you provide sort of news that you can use? Actually, something that happens in these countries that should happen in the Western world is they actually start by talking to citizens and find out what what are their real problems? Is it that food prices are increasing, in which case the journalist will investigate what's behind the rising food prices? What is the government trying to do to increase agriculture in the area? Um, how is it setting up sort of sustainable food supplies? Or if it's something like maternal death, which is actually a big story in the U.S. right now, too. Why are maternal death rates so high? Is it because there's not enough hospitals? There's not doctors that want to work in rural areas? midwives aren't trained well enough. So it's kind of these simple quality of life issues that are facing citizens every day that they want to know, well, which politician actually has a plan to make sure that, you know, my my mother doesn't die when she gives birth to her fifth child, or how do I ensure that my children won't be hungry next season, and which politician actually has a, a realistic plan based on the data, based on the evidence to fix it. But as you can imagine, there are some challenges to working with data in developing countries. Ever explained to me that the corruption in some of these places means that data journalists have to be savvy in the way they cover issues and events. So a lot of the places as I work, uh, corruption is kind of endemic. So election coverage that focuses on corruption or government mismanagement in general, um, they're not really newsworthy in these places because corruption is is so common that politicians that are running for office are expected to be corrupt. Uh, they're expected to have to run dysfunctional governments. So coverage that focuses sort of on their mishandling of issues without specifics is not very effective. So 
And another thing we see in a lot of Western data journalism coverage is kind of this obsession with polling data, uh, with what's the social media conversation around the candidates. Um, and again, in places like Kenya, India, Afghanistan, Pakistan, the polling data is not very good. Either there is no polling data or their polls are considered very politically motivated, so they're not trusted. Um, so a lot of the traditional data that you would use for election coverage is either not relevant or not available, um, which is a little bit ironic because all that basically leaves them to cover are policy positions, positions and actual issues that are of concern to citizens. Um, because in a lot of cases, the best data, like in Kenya, a lot of the best data is around issues like HIV, healthcare, education quality, uh, budget transparency, which are all great stories and really relevant to elections because it really lets you focus on, well, what are the most uh, pressing healthcare issues and which candidate actually has a feasible policy to address these, these really big problems. One of the most common complaints Eva hears from the journalism teams that she trains is that there's a lack of data. But Eva tells them that their problem is not a lack of data, it's a lack of skills and good ideas. There are no data journalists in these countries, so they are first to the story. One advantage that developing countries have is the digital convergence hasn't happened yet or isn't that widespread yet. So they've gotten a chance to see what happened in the West um, and see how many jobs were lost. And, and so they're, they have a motivation in trying to upgrade their skills to prepare for a digital convergence that they do know has happened. Um, so like Myanmar's mobile penetration has skyrocketed since the country opened. So lots of media outlets are, are going mobile first. Um, they've seen that people are reading breaking news on Twitter and Facebook, and they're trying to figure out well, what kind of content can we offer um, to bring readers to our media outlets so we can apply those lessons learned in developing countries so that di the digital convergence goes much more smoothly and they're filling that sort of public service role uh, for their citizens. So what makes a great data journalism story and how can data journalism teams in the Western world and developing countries get started? Ever explains that smaller, scrappier teams can still produce excellent data journalism just as bigger, better funded teams can, as long as journalists are dedicated and take the time to learn the skills and tools needed. I think it's important for media outlets, especially in such a partisan environment, to really be able to serve citizens' information needs. And if, if you look at a lot of the data journalism projects that have won awards recently, you see that they're, they're getting at very basic um, public interest topics. So like this year's Global Data Journalism Award winner um, for the best investigation was from Canada, um, looking at why cases of rape against women aren't investigated, um, where the problem is worst, um, the reasons behind why cases are dropped before reaching the investigation level. Um, La Nación of Argentina, which is sort of a pioneer in data journalism in developing countries, also did a lot of stories, sort of like the UK example of investigating MP expenses, um, looking at um, government effectiveness and, and service delivery. So I, I think there is kind of this recognition that the data journalism, yes, it can be flashy, it can be fun, it can be interactive, um, but at the core, it's just good data journalism. And uh, a media outlet that's not using data as a source for its stories is not using one of the most sort of plentiful sources of information 
um, in the modern world for doing stories. Um, I think there was a concern for a while that that the media houses wouldn't have enough resources. Um, and often that that's because they were looking at things like the Guardian and the New York Times and the Washington Post as examples um, for, for to model themselves after. And, you know, those are really, really well-resourced media outlets that have, you know, 10 to, to 50 people on their data journalism teams, which is one way to do it, but it's not necessarily the only way to do it. It's not necessarily the best way to do it. Um, you see much scrappier teams like La Nación of Argentina only has, I think, four people, four permanent people on their data team. In Pakistan, um, we worked with a group of eight. And then I think the only permanent data team, the teams that I helped start, one in, the one in Kenya and the one in Afghanistan, each of those are four-person teams. So they've got... Um, somebody who's more statistically oriented, um, scraping and cleaning a lot of the data. They've got two journalists who have really the news knows to find out what are the angles. And then they have a developer uh, to help them with some of the data scraping and cleaning, but mostly just with the visualization and putting together um, the storytelling packages. So with, with four people in countries with really not ideal data environments, not really strong media environments, um, or managing to maintain um, data portals and mainstream media outlets uh, with really, really very few resources and, and no tradition um, of very investigative or data reporting. So it's possible um, with the right team, with a committed group of people to do really important stories. So both the, the Pakistan team and the Afghanistan team were shortlisted this year uh, for the Global Data Journalism Awards. Um, competing with groups like 538 and New York Times because they're doing it differently but not necessarily less effectively. Um, they're telling really important stories uh, with smaller databases, with more, much more human-driven narrative, uh, but they're stories that are no less important. So I think that what I, the advice what I give is start with, start with dedicated people who are committed to telling stories that are important for the public um, and then, and then the rest will kind of come naturally. You, there are resources, especially in the West, to teach yourself the tools. Um, you can find, you can tap into civic hacking communities that will, sort of on a volunteer basis, do some of the heavy lifting. Um, and there's actually a really great experiment going on in the UK, um, the Bureau Local, um, I think it's called, um, which is basically a, a mobile data team um, which goes around to small newsrooms in the UK and asks them what stories would you like to be telling with data um, and then provide both their permanent team and a, and a group of volunteers will help them tell those data stories um, that are relevant to their, their local community. And I, I hope that's the future of data journalism. We, we talk so much about um, the danger of local media, sort of there is there is no vibrant local media scene anymore. Um, local media are being shut down. Um, and I think using data journalism to sort of revive local journalism and tell these stories about hyper-local issues that are a concern to, to citizens so that they can vote for their local council members and their local MPs um, based on actually how they're performing on policy issues can kind of um, get us back from this sort of partisan precipice that we're on um, and bring media sort of back to the center and back to its sort of public service roots. For more podcasts from journalism.co.uk, please visit our website.